Erev Tov, Shavuot Tov. We begin Slichot this evening. It's the beginning of... Uh, we're getting deeper into the Amim Naraim, deeper into this period. Elul, Slichot, Shavuot Shachalbo, Sun Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. I want to start with two stories about two feelings, two experiences that we really struggle with. I'll put myself out there. I certainly struggle with these things. I imagine some of you do as well. And they relate directly to what we're going to try and strive to do this evening. First story is as follows. I remember when I was studying at, at Reitz, Shiv University, a few years ago. I remember Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, Vracha, came to, uh, to give a speech. And he spoke about prayer. He spoke about tefillah in the modern Orthodox world. And he had this amazing image, which really, you know, I remember very clearly. And he said, you could put into one small bottle the amount of tears that have been shed in modern Orthodox synagogues through tefillah. That was the point that he made. That was the image he wanted us to hold in our minds. He pointed out that tefillah is something that's very hard for us, heartfelt tefillah. Tefillah, by definition, is an avodah balev. It demands a higher level of kavanah than other mitzvot. And he said, this is something that we really struggle to do with our hearts especially as uh, modern Jews. And uh, that was the first, that's the first story I want to share. Tefillah b'kavanah. Tefillah mikol alev. This is something we really struggle with. Second story is about a rabbi from almost 150 years ago, the Ben Ishchai, Rav Yosef Chaim of Baghdad. And another rabbi came to him by the name of Rav Ezra Dangor, and he was very excited. He said, Rabbi, look. I have for you a machzor that I just edited. So uh, Rav, Chaim, Rav Yosef Chaim says, sure, I'd love to see it. He shows him a machzor. It's a machzor for Yom Kippur. He starts looking through. He says, wow, this is really beautiful. The font, the style, the, the explanation. This is an amazing machzor. And he gets to Minchan Yom Kippur. And he's going through the tefillot. He's flipping through the pages. And he notices, wait a second, something's missing from here. He says, what's wrong, Rabbi? He says, something's missing. And he says, you know what's missing? What's missing is a, a whole paragraph with Ashamnu, Bagadnu. It's one of the PU team in the Machsor. He says, that's missing from, from the, from the Machsor. So Rav, uh, Rav Ezra Dunger says, ah, it's not a mistake. I didn't make a mistake here. I took it out. He said, it's not a mistake. I took it out. I did in order to shorten the tefillah. I mean, come on. People's attention spans were already shortening 150 years ago in Baghdad, okay? So we've already, it's, it's accelerated in our time. So the Ben Chai responds, he says, he says, Ef shar Yom Kippur You can't have Yom Kippur without a little bit of guilt, without a healthy dosage of Ashamnu, of guilt. That's the second story. And this story, I think, captures, well, it really captures uh, I, I think something that goes on in our discussions a lot about tefillah today, about the speed to which we try to get through tefillah, we want to create efficiency, as if we're running some, uh, some machinery or some, some factory here, uh, and we have to you know, complete a product and, and sell it and produce it, and, and this is all part of the commerci- commercialization of, uh, of, 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 of Jewish life and synagogue life. But what this also captures is a feeling of guilt. Feeling of guilt. How do we deal with guilt and sin? Sin is one of, those, one of those words that modern people don't like to use very much. We feel guilty about certain things, but not about others. We feel guilty when we don't follow uh, the diet we're planning on following. 
we feel guilty when, uh, you know, when we, uh, we missed, oh my God, I missed uh, my favorite, uh, you know, I missed my favorite show and I missed the football game. We feel guilty about certain things. When it comes to other things, we don't necessarily feel guilty, uh, guilty enough. And so these are two feelings, two davening with all of our hearts, as well as really addressing sin and feeling bad about things. We struggle with both of these, uh, both of these feelings. Now I want to share just a few ideas about this. And again, I'm including myself in this. Really, this is not an easy thing, but I think we can do this, and I want to share with you some ideas. Rav Kook in Einaya, Sefer Einaya, gives a comment on the following idea. There's a Gemara that says as follows. The Gemara continues, uh, and it brings the following idea down. If a person davens, and then they start analyzing and examining their tefillah, it's going to cause them heartache. The bad thing to do. Why is it going to cause a person heartache? What's the explanation here? Rashi explains... What is this? A person davens, and they're waiting for a sign from Hashem. I'm davening for I'm davening for my friend. I'm davening for this, whatever it is we're davening for. If you just wait and wait for the sign from Shamayim, it's going to cause a broken heart. Don't do that. Now, Rav Kook explains, what does this mean? That Rav Kook says this is addressing two different faculties. We have our neshama, we have our soul, and we have our minds. We have our seicha. And Rav Kook says, when we're davening, that's not the time to think. Davening is not the time to think, and by extension, it's not the time to have any doubts. It's not the time to have any theological questions. We're supposed to put all of our questions about Judaism aside and just daven with all of our hearts. And just imagine that we are, we have an incredibly close relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because when we're davening, in the moment of tefillah, that's not the time for us to activate our seicha. The seicha has to be activated at other points in time, but not when we're davening. And uh, Rav Kook also points out, you know, there's a famous idea that we shma, when you look at the Torah, shma, we just read it a few weeks ago in the, in the Torah, the ayin and the dalit of shma, shma Yisrael Hashem HaKinev Hashem Achad, the ayin and the dalit are enlarged. And what do they spell? They spell aid, testimony. Why is the ayin on shma enlarged? Why the ayin? In order that it not, we not think it says something else. It's Shema, listen, as opposed to Shin Mem Aleph, which would mean Shema. Perhaps. 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 That would be a problem. Perhaps means that we're bringing some doubt into our Avodat Hashem in the middle of davening. And while we're davening and while we're experiencing standing before HaGadosh Baruch Hu is not the time to activate our seichel. We have to put all of our doubts aside. And yeah, we have doubts, we have questions, we have moments of, ah, what is this really about? Slichot and this and that. We have to put all of that aside and just imagine for a second that we have the closest relationship with HaGadosh Baruch Hu in the world and that we are a, a Ben Bayit in his home and, and the relationship is so close and so intense and we're just speaking to Avinu Shabbat Shemayim. That's what we need to do during the tefillah. That's what we need to imagine. Put everything else aside. Turn off our brains and just activate our neshama. Now this idea is something that's picked up by a number of, uh, number of Jewish thinkers. Rav uh, Salavechik in a eulogy, famous eulogy that he gave, he says as follows, he asks, why Shmuel HaKatan? A famous rabbi in the Gemara, why is he called Shmuel HaKatan? Shmuel the small one, he wasn't short. Why was he called HaKatan? Rav Salavechik explains as follows, that Shmuel HaKatan, even when he was old, even when he was uh, elderly, even when he was... 
you know, he wasn't young anymore, lost his vigor. Nonetheless, he still maintained a youthful spirit. He was still young at heart. Rav Salavechik says the only person who can really daven before Hashem is a young child, or a person who possesses, who possesses the tmimut, the youthful spirit of a young child. Because we stand before Hashem as a young child, and we sort of put our, we turn off our brains. And that's what we're supposed to be doing when we daven. Rav Lichtenstein, in one of his, uh, one of his talks that he gave on Shuva, he talks about the notion of uh, a very important line. We're going to sing this many, many times in the next few weeks. What are we davening for? Purify our hearts so we should davish, we, we should, we should you know, worship you with, a, with, with emet, with truth. What does that mean? Rav Lechensin explains emet in this context means with integrity with wholesomeness. And he says that when it comes to tefillah, there has to be a, an integrity to our avodat Hashem, a connection, a comprehensiveness to everything that we do. And he says as follows, pervasive rationalism inhibits the expression of any profound feeling. He says for modern Jews, we don't feel so impoverished, impoverished in our lives. We have everything that we need, everything that we want, everything that we want, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given to us. We, don't live, in, we live in times where we, we're, we're so powerful. We have so much. We have such an ability to uh, to uh, you know to to shape our lives with science and technology, and so and so we need to we need to daven for taharat halev, to daven that we could really daven to Hashem be'emet, and uh, and just to conclude, there's a very uh, interesting tefillah that we say on Musaf Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. V'chol ma'aminim, okay. V'chol ma'aminim. It says as follows. Everyone who believes that God is X, Y, Z. Everyone who believes that God judges us. Everyone who believes the following. There are all these different statements of faith. Now, the truth is that not everyone always has the strongest belief. Not everyone is really always in agreement. So what is V'chol Ma'aminim coming to teach us? I heard a beautiful explanation by Mark Drach. He explained as follows. V'chol Ma'aminim gives us the permission to walk into that experience of tefillah when we put our brains aside. We literally put, turn off our brains and just experience standing before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's what we need to do during this period of the year. We have to walk into the tefillah experience of Odasha Balev and just feel it and just experience it and not think about too much about what it means and why and this doesn't really make sense. We just got to do it. We just got to walk into it and feel it. That's with regards to the first thing, Odasha Balev. With regards to the guilt, I'll say one or two quick things. In recent years, based on an idea by Rav Cook, there have been a number of new viduim that have been written. Now that we were speaking about this at lunch today, there's a whole vidui that was written by a rabbi who I, uh, I, I know, and he wrote a vidui of all the positive things that he that he done. A vidui, I confess that I honored my parents this year. I confess that I showed up to Minyan every day. I confess all these positive things. Instead of the very negative ashamnu baganu gazanu dibanidofi that we have in our own uh, in our own tefillot. And part of me really feels that this is, is powerful stuff. We do need to emphasize the positive. We need to emphasize our strengths, not just focus on the negative. There's no question that that's really, really good. On the other hand, there is something about it, and I'm relating to the story that I said about the Ben Ishchai. There is something to actually feeling a little bit guilty. <laughs> you know, actually like turning, you know, looking in the mirror and saying, wait a second, what, what could I have done better? 
And, you know, we, we live in a world of positive psychology. We're always emphasizing the, emphasizing the positive. No one should feel too bad about themselves. But you know what? It's okay a little bit. It's okay to feel a little bit bad, to really lay on that guilt and to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what? Hey, you know what? I have a lot of work to do here. And that's the avodah. That's what we have to be doing right now. That was an opportunity to just start taking a cheshbon nefesh. Where were we last year? What did we accomplish? What did we not accomplish? What are the sins we're carrying with us through these times? What could we do better? What are our kachot? What is our potential? All of these things, we have to start thinking about these things. And if it leads to a feeling of guilt, guess what? That's okay. That's a good thing. Because there's no such thing as Yom Kippur, and there's no such thing as the Amim Nar'im, and Yemei Slichot without a healthy dose of guilt. And we have to use that guilt to motivate us, and to change and transform ourselves. And Bezrat Hashem, this Yamim Nar'im, all of our tefillot should be answered. We should be able to stand before Agadosh Baruch Hu like a Ben standing before his, uh, his father, and we should be able to plead with Agadosh Baruch Hu and Davin the Chol Halev and fulfill Avodat Halev, which is what tefillah is about. And also, and use, use some of the, the Ashamnu that we should be feeling at this time. Use that to motivate us to be better, to transform ourselves in Bezrat Hashem. All of our tefillot should be answered and uh, we should be able to connect with HaGadosh Baruch Hu and our community. This, uh, this Elul, this Yamim Noraim, and this Yamei Slicha. I'm going to continue with uh, Aryeh and Darren and, and Saul. and lead us in, uh, in Slicha. I just want to remind everybody for the next few, uh, few days. Slichot are before the 6 o'clock for the 6.15. 5.55 followed by the 6.15 Minyan. 7.10 followed by the 7.30 Minyan. And 8.15 is Slichot, followed by what was the 8.15 Minyan. And uh, at night, 10 p.m. followed by Slichot at 10.15 for the next next two weeks.